How many of you last week, if you live in Ontario, were affected by the water, restricted water, uh, don't, drink the, don't drink the water? Um, yeah, that was interesting. Uh, there's a, there was a water main break, and then they thought maybe the water was compromised, and so they had a water, a drinking water, you had a boil water advisory for a couple days. And, uh, but I'll tell you, here at Living Word, we still had coffee. We, we, uh, we went out, we bought water, we still had coffee, and we had uh, distilled water that we used. So we, we got to the stores where everybody else didn't buy out all, all the water. Uh, it was interesting reading some of the comments uh, online and Facebook about what to do and what not to do. Like people said, is it okay to take a shower? Is my hair going to turn green? Uh, that was interesting. Uh, can I water my plants? Are they just going to die and shrivel up? Uh, I, I'm sure. And it, 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 it's interesting because... Uh, going on so many different missions trips, that, that's usually a normal way of life for most, most countries. You just, you don't, you don't drink the water. And I can remember going to Haiti some years ago, uh, working with uh, some missionaries that were training people. Uh, and, and it was, somebody designed this really neat water filtration system to purify the water and you'd have to go to this certain area, and it was very easy to do, but you had to train people how to do it. Well, many times when people live with the contaminated water, they're, 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 they're not understanding that a lot of the contaminants uh, or a lot of the intestinal diseases that they have and struggle they have actually comes from the water. And, and they're so used to this that, that they just, that's just a way of life for many of them. And so what many missionaries have done and have gone in there and tried to teach people how to, how to use these filtration systems and to help them so they don't drink the bad water, so they don't keep this cycle going over and over again. And, and many times people will learn, but what happens is after the missionary leaves or those that are instructing them how to do it, they tend to go back. And, and, and if, they, if they don't train someone else how to do it, or the missionary leaves, and then they, they, they end up not doing uh, the filtration system, and then they go right back to the same sick, the same sicknesses that they had in their intestines, and 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 so it, it's it's easy to go back to the old ways of doing things, even though they're not safe, and it's not the clean way. And that's some of the struggles that some of the missionaries have had in some of these countries of teaching people how to how to how to create clean water for themselves. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul is dealing with with the Galatians. As he writes this book, uh, this letter to the Galatian church, he writes to the church to, to, to come against these false teachers that were trying to drag people back into a works relationship, a performance-driven relationship with God. It's really all the things that you do for God that matters. And so what Paul is trying to tell them, listen, when you came into your salvation with the Lord, it wasn't because of what you did. It wasn't because of your works. It was because of God's grace through your faith in him. And these teachers were saying that the teachers were dragging them back to this contaminated well again by saying, no, no, no. Yeah, Jesus, but it's Jesus, but Jesus, but you have to do this stuff. It's Jesus, but you have to be circumcised. It's Jesus, but you have to follow these dietary laws. It's Jesus, but you have to follow these certain Jewish festivals. And it was leading these people that, that didn't know anything about this. These were Gentiles. They didn't, in their old former lives, this, this is the furthest thing from their mind. We're following dietary laws and celebrating these certain festivals. All they know is that Jesus saved them and they were free from their sin 
And now someone kind of comes up next to them saying, but you're not doing enough. And Paul's saying, that's not the gospel that I originally brought to you. So, so Paul is frustrated and he says, you take a step forward only to take two steps back. And he says, it's like you're trying to go really fast and go nowhere, going nowhere fast in a hurry. And Paul was at odds with those who were trying to tell others, you're not doing enough in order to be right with God. You have to do this diet and celebrate this festival. And, and what it was really doing is just pulling people back and handcuffing them again to this works righteousness relationship with God that was not faith righteousness that can only come through Christ. So what Paul does is he realigns them again with the gospel message that he received from the Lord himself. He said, this is the pure gospel message. Let's not taint this message so yet you poison yourself again with trying to please God through your works or trying to gain God's acceptance through your works. And so let's see what Paul says here. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to look at Galatians chapter 3. We've been going chapter by chapter, verse by verse in Galatians, and now we're in chapter 3, and I want to look at verses 1 through 14 in chapter 3, and let's see what, what Paul talks about. And, and, and the title in, in, in mine, in my NIV Bible, says, Faith or Observance of the Law. That's kind of the title. And, and listen to what Paul says here. Once again, Paul is not mincing words. Paul starts off by saying, you foolish Galatians, you, you knuckleheads, what are you doing? He says, who has bewitched you? Before, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit, are you now trying to obtain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observed the law or because you believed what you heard? Man, these are good words that Paul is bringing them. Verse 6. Paul says, now he's going to speak right to their hearts, these Jewish believers. He said, consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Isn't that wonderful? The scriptures, uh, the scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So, so those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That includes you and I who are Gentiles. That is good news right there. That we are children of Abraham. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. Says, do you want to go back under a curse? For it is written, cursed is, is, is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law, which means if you can't follow everything perfectly, all 1613 laws, you, you break them all. You, in fact, you're living under a curse if you're trying to fulfill everything in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by what? By faith. 
The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not come through the law. It comes through our faith in Christ Jesus. It's the Spirit that sets us free, that fills us, that gives us power for living. Why go back under that curse that sucks everything out of you? And so Paul is adamant here saying, this is not the way to go. So Paul is upset Because what the false teachers really did is they basically hoodwinked the Galatians. And Paul actually uses this word bewitched. Who put a spell on you? Who bamboozled you? And so what Paul does is he's realigning them with the gospel again that reminds them that it's not by works that they're made right before before God, but through faith in Christ. He was telling them not to go back to their old life again. That actually didn't bring you freedom, but actually brought you bondage. And there are those religious teachers that are around you that are leading you in the same type of bondage. And so Paul shares with his listeners that it all hinges on this correct understanding of the gospel, this, this good news, this news of glad tidings, that, 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 that Christ, what he does is he comes for us. It's, it's what Christ actually did for us, not what we can do for ourselves. Uh, Jesus is not some... Self-help guru. He's not some person that you can just add on to your life. Say, well, Jesus, if you can help me in this area of my life, but I'll go to this person to help me in this area of my life. That's not why Jesus came for some self-improvement in your life. Jesus came for sinners. And we couldn't fix ourselves. Everybody say, we are unfixable. (laughs) We are broken beyond measure. And we needed a savior. So God created us to be with him and sin separated us. And we can't be made right uh, by God, by our works or by our religious activities. Our goodness could never ever remove sin's stain that it had on our lives. And so Jesus through his perfect life paid the penalty for our sin. He became our substitute. Jesus through his resurrection conquered sin and death And prove to the world that he was God. And through faith in Christ, we too can overcome and live forever with him. Amen? Let's pray and go home. Because that was good right there. We can just end right there. See, everything we receive from God did not come from ourselves. And that really is good news. Because if it had to come from Bard and Gerace, I would have fallen short. I would have failed miserably if I'm depending on myself. Because I make way too many mistakes. And everything we receive from God did not come from ourselves. And so what Paul shares with them is this. Your full life, the forgiveness you receive, the joy you have, that you've been made right with God, did not come by obeying the law. It came through your faith in Christ. And then Christ put his spirit within you. That's what brought your freedom and your joy. 
You don't find Christ by following a bunch of rules. You find Christ by what you have heard. And so verse 1, Paul says, It was before your very eyes you heard about Christ and what his death meant. And so the message wasn't how to live, do this, that, and the other, but what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so what I want to do today is I want us to, because I think it's so easy for us as believers to miss what the gospel really is. Because what happens, we, we can tend to start off right in our Christian walk, and we feel this freedom. God fills us with his Holy Spirit, and then we morph back into this works righteousness garbage that just sucks the joy out of our lives. And then, and then you get around other people that are telling you what to do, and you're not doing this right, and you got to do it this way, and you're not reading the right version of the Bible, and your hair's not the right style, and don't wear check shirts on Sunday, and don't, don't do all the right, and we just get back, and, blah, 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 and it just sucks the joy. Can I, am I right? How many have ever faced that? I mean, it's just they, they come alongside you and you're not doing it the right way. You got to do this. You got to do that. And our church is better than that church because we do it this way. And we, right? And it just, it's garbage. It's exactly what Paul was talking about. And it sucks the life out of the church because we go right back to this works righteousness to prove our righteousness before God by what we do and we don't do. Now, are we supposed to live holy lives? Everybody say amen. Okay, so let me, before we get all crazy here and just live licentious lives without caring about what we do, that's not what Paul is talking about here. So what is the gospel? Let, let's, what is this good news? Let me first give this to you. The gospel is first an announcement of what Christ did for us. It's first an announcement that Jesus has come to rescue us. It's this announcement that he's come for sinners. And see, once I understand this, then it changes the way I live my life. So let me, let me give you an illustration here because this is how we do it wrong. And I, I, let me use these chairs. So I need a volunteer. Anybody want to come up here real quick? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to embarrass you because otherwise I'm going to pick you. Anybody want to come up real quick? All right. All right, Dan. Come on. Thanks, Dan. Everyone give Dan a hand. All right, Dan, I want you to stand here. All right. Uh, Ruth, can you come up? Are you able to come up, Ruth? Ruth, you're going you're gonna to play Jesus, okay? Here, Ruth, I'll even put you in a chair here because you don't have to do much. Sit right there. All right. Everybody give Ruth a hand. She did a good job. Okay. So here's, here's, here's Ruth. Ruth is Jesus. And we're trying to get, Dan needs to get saved. His wife, your wife just said, amen. amen. But no, I'm just saying, no, Dan knows Jesus. Okay. So I, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get Dan to Jesus. Okay. So Ruth, some legend, right? And so I'm, Dan and I were friends, we're neighbors, and I'm trying to share Jesus with Dan. He's a great guy, and I'm like, man, I would love if, if Dan came to know Jesus. So let's say I'm have a conversation. I say, uh, let's see if I do it this way. Dan, you know, tell me all the, tell me all the bad things you, you've done in your life. Well, what's all the, right? You don't have to tell. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm fine. So I say, Dan said, well, you know, man, I, I, my mouth is, I, you know, it's not that good. I, I cuss a lot. So I, I tell Dan, okay, Dan, well, you've got you to gotta, you gotta stop cussing then. Okay, so I put that hurdle in front of Dan. Got to stop. 
Then I say to him, well, then, are you going to church? Or, you know, well, no, not going to. Okay, well, you need to start going to church. So put that hurdle in front of you, get in front. Uh, man, you're wearing shorts into church? You may, <laughs> sandals? Really? Okay, well, you, 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 you got you to stop that. You got to, you know, sandals and shirt. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> Notice what we're doing here. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're judging, and I'm putting all these hurdles in front of Dan on what he needs to do. That's not the gospel message. The gospel message is first an announcement of what Jesus did for us. So what, what, what Jesus does is he takes out all these hurdles for us. He removes them all. It's not what you do. It's not all these things that you're supposed to change first in your life that you got to do this or another. Get to, he, he removes all these barriers. So I can say, hey, Dan, let me introduce you to Jesus. Uh, let me just tell you what. Let me just say. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And, and, and let me tell you all the things that Jesus did for you. And then what happens when Christ comes into Dan's life, he starts saying, okay, I need to, I need to look at my life. And I don't, want, I don't want to do things in my life that are going to cause me to ruin this relationship that I have with Jesus. You see the difference? There's a difference. And then, then I, because when we start placing all these rules and regulations and all these things that we're supposed to do, what it does is it just separates us from knowing Jesus. So the gospel first is an announcement of what Jesus did for us. Amen. All right, you guys can go back. Thank you. Thanks, Ruth. Now I've got to put all my props back. That's all right. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. You're such a servant, Dan. Thanks. I hope that I hope that I hope that helps because what happens is what happens is this. Here's what here's what happens. Here's what happens in our lives. Can you imagine talking to someone and sharing Jesus with them and then telling them, you know, first tell me all the bad things you've done in your life. Okay, stop doing them. You know, what's your language like? You got to stop doing that. You got to stop doing before we ever tell them about the gospel. See, the good news is this, is, is this wonderful message of what Jesus did for us. And so what Jesus does is he removes all the hurdles before us and he paves the way for us to come to him and what he did for us on the cross. So the gospel is this proclamation of God's good news before it tells you what to do. The gospel is a proclamation of this wonderful good news before it tells you what to do. So here's what Paul does. Paul reminds them that when you first believed, was your life changed by following a bunch of rules or did it change through your faith and hearing the message? It changed, their life changed from hearing the message. So here's what I want you to see. It reminds them that they didn't receive the Holy Spirit through the law. It wasn't through human effort. So Paul's issue was that they were going back to this old way to try to tame God's favor through this good work. So here's a couple things that the gospel does for us. If you're taking notes, you can follow along because I've got these 
in, in, in your notes for you. And let's, let's, just two things real quick here. It says the gospel frees us from our self-righteous pursuits. And the second thing I want you to see is the gospel frees us from trying to be good enough. Because that's an empty pit you will never fill. We'll think we're good one day and then we mess up the next day. And it's, this, it's often on this merry-go-round of good works, not good works, me messing up, not messing up. And it just, it never, ever will be fulfilled. So, so as, here's what Paul does. To, to drill this down to his listeners, to his Jewish listeners, Paul He does this brilliant move as he writes this. It's it's a brilliant, brilliant move in correcting the Galatians from wrong thinking. He makes this brilliant move by using Abraham as an example of, of what truly being made right before God is apart from the law. This was a brilliant move because this is the father of their faith. And so when he brings up Abraham, they're listening now. See, Abraham is the father of the Jewish faith. Abraham is the example of the gospel message. So Paul, he he connects the dots for them. This is the reason why. Abraham lived before the law was given, before the commandments of God. Before the thou shalt nots, Abraham lived. So Paul's argument is actually a really good one. Because what he says is, he says, listen, Abraham's life was counted as righteous before God. How? Was it counted righteous before God because he followed these certain laws? No, he didn't have the laws to follow or had the law to show that he actually was righteous. So why was Abraham blessed? And why are we as Gentiles considered Abraham's children? Because this is before the law. Abraham was blessed. Why did God bless his offsprings? How can Gentiles be part of that blessing when we are not Jewish? Verse 6 says it all. It says, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The word credited, we have to understand. Paul says, those who believe Jew or Gentile are considered Abraham's children. Father Abraham. Had many sons, many sons has Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so were you. So let's just grace the Lord, right arm, left. Okay, anyway, okay, I, I diverse into my Sunday school years. So what does this word credited as righteous mean? How, how many of you are just, you love math? You, you are like, I'm just, I'm a math Geek. Okay, nobody. Okay, so we have a lot of smart people in the room today. No, uh, this is is actually a math term here. The the word credited is a math term. It it was an accounting term that meant that funds were being received and and really counted as a payment. It confers a status on something to credit something that wasn't there before. So here's here's what Paul is saying. Abraham wasn't credited righteous by what he did, but through his belief in trusting God for the promise. His faith in God, his faith in God caused him to be obedient, to move his family, to answer the call of God. I like what Tim Keller says here. Tim Keller says, he says, when God credits righteousness, he is conferring a legal status on someone. He treats them 
as actual righteous and free from condemnation, even though they are still actually unrighteous in their heart and behavior. And so what happens at this moment when we are credited righteous, we become justified before God. We are made right before God through our faith in Jesus. So what this statement does, what this example does of Abraham, it flies in the face of all traditional religion, which tells us that either we are living righteously and, and, and are therefore pleasing and acceptable to God, or we are living unrighteously and we're therefore alienated from God. That, that, this example flies in the face of that. And that's sad to say, that's the way most people look at religion. That's the way they look at it. They either look at it as you live righteously and therefore you're pleasing and acceptable to God or you live unrighteously and therefore you're alienated from God. And, and, and the sad fact is most people live their life that way. But Paul and Abraham are showing us that it's possible to be loved and accepted by God while we ourselves are still sinful and imperfect. That's amazing to me. Because what we end up doing in our lives, we, we have these vain pursuits of trying to please God by what I do. And it just, I'm never fulfilled because I don't understand my right standing in God to begin with. That has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what Christ already has done for me. So we don't, we don't clean ourselves up in order to earn that credited righteousness, just as the illustration is just, we don't, we don't earn it by saying, okay, stop cussing. Now start coming to church. Now start doing this. Now start carrying the right Bible. Now start to do And that's not how you earn credited righteousness. Does that make sense? Capiche? I mean, is that, this is what Paul is drilling down on here. So we don't clean up ourselves in order to earn this credit of righteousness. It's not about being good enough to earn God's favor. We receive it even when we are sinners. Are, are we, we're all still sinners. You all get that, right? Even if you're following G, you still make mistakes. We still sin. All in favor that we still sin? I, okay, we do. We, we do, okay? <laughs> Jesus, help us here, okay? Help us, Jesus. Okay. So what does, what does it mean to have faith then like Abraham? Well, Abraham had a true saving faith. And the Bible tells us that Abraham believed God. And by believing in God, he trusts God to pack up and leave his family and go to a place that he never has been before. To trust him. To fulfill the promise of being a father to this great nation. And so there's a big difference between believing in God, because even demons believe in God, and believing God to save. Do you see the difference? There's a difference between just believe. A lot of people believe in God, and so do demons. But there's a difference to trust God by believing that he can actually save. See, Abraham's saving faith was not based in his performance, but in God's provisions. And that's what makes Jesus' encounter with the thief on the cross so Amazing. The thief was going to paradise because he completely trusted Jesus and Jesus' provision for his life. Not the thief's performance. He could do nothing. He couldn't get off the cross. He was hanging on the cross. He completely trusted the provision of Christ to save him. 
And so this is, this is why the gospel is so good. Now, now if, if, if being credited righteousness by our faith is not good enough, let me tell you how much. Let me tell you, it goes further than that. It, it, gets, it actually gets better than that. Here's what Paul says. Now, Paul goes into this whole curse thing. The law is a curse. And, you know, those that hang in a tree are cursed. What, what, did, what does all that mean? Here, here's Paul really just, just puts the hammer to the nail and drives this point home to them so they don't go back to this works righteousness relationship with God. So here's why the gospel is actually good and doesn't lead us into bondage. Here's why it's good. Jesus, what Paul's saying is, took our curse so that we could actually receive God's inheritance. Now, this is where it gets good. This is where the promise comes in from Abraham that we are his children, no matter Jew or Gentile, that we're going to receive this promise through faith, through Christ, because none of us would be unable to receive this inheritance of eternal life if it came through the law. Everybody say amen. So here's where, here's where it gets good. See, in the Old Testament, when a person was executed, it was most likely done by stoning, and then the body was actually hung on a tree to actually show divine rejection. They bore the curse of breaking the law. And so he was hung as a sign of the curse. And this is important for us to understand. Paul using this shows us what Jesus actually did for us. Jesus' execution was on a tree. Jesus experienced the curse of divine rejection for you and I, Jesus took the curse of the law upon himself for you and I that we could never fulfill because Jesus was the only one that was perfect and could fulfill all the demands of the law. So he who was perfect took the curse upon himself by hanging on a tree. Do you get the fulfillment there? Now, what does this mean for you and I? You see, on the cross... Jesus freed us and brought us back from the curse of the law by taking it for us. So I, I want you to understand what Jesus does for us here. He took the curse so that we could actually earn or so that in return, we might receive the blessing that Jesus now earns. So what he does for us by taking the curse for us, he, we now can receive that inheritance that rightly belonged to Jesus. It now belongs to us also. And so what Jesus does is he took our sins and the curse of the law that we earned by breaking the law, and he actually became a sin offering for us. And this amazes me every single time I think about it. Why is this so important for us to understand? See, if Jesus bore our sin and was treated as a sinner and he bore the curse, then that literally means he became our substitute. And, and what God does for us is amazing. He takes his son's righteous act and what he accomplished for us on the cross 
by taking our sin and actually becoming a sin offering, God now takes Jesus' righteousness. And by my faith in him, God now sees me as righteous, even though I'm a sinner. We are literally covered in Christ now. Jesus becomes my robe. He becomes my righteousness, that I am covered in him. So even though I'm still a sinner, even though I make mistakes, God, he imputes Jesus's righteous acts now in my life. And, and my standing before God now is in right standing with him, that I can now approach God, that I can come to his throne, that I can find forgiveness and mercy in my time of help. See, if I just come as barred and jurees, I'm going to come fearful. I'm going to come with insecurities. I'm going to come with a lot of guilt and condemnation. But now when I come to the throne, I come clothed in Christ Jesus. And I can confess my sins because he is faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I can find mercy and grace in my time of need. If you're not coming to God's throne clothed in the righteousness of Christ, we do have things to worry about because we will face the full fury of God's wrath. He is my robe. He covers all my sins and all my faults. So the life I live now, I live in Christ and I want to please him. I want my actions to reflect what he's done for me. So so here's, let me wrap this up we're just going to close in song and and i i want you to look at this because this is where we can just kind of falter if we're not careful in in our walk with the lord to try to hang our hat on all the the good things we do here's the thing i want you to realize when you understand the curse that jesus took upon himself and curses anything that hangs on a tree he took that for ourselves he took the punishment Upon himself. He took the wrath of God upon himself for you and I. When I find myself in Christ, God now imputes Jesus' righteousness into my life. So here's the thing when I get God's grace, the magnitude that he went for me, what it causes me to do now in my life is say, okay, God, I, I want my life to line up with what you did in my heart. So if I'm, if I'm doing something that's out of the will of God, if, if I'm doing something that is, is, is right out sinful, what, what, the, the, here's, here's the difference. I can beat someone over the head with the word of God. Don't cuss. Don't have sex outside of marriage. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I could, I could beat it, beat it, beat it, and bang the Bible on the pulpit, bang my hand on the pulpit and say, don't do this, don't do that. Here's, what, here's, here's where I want to end this. He said, you did not receive the Spirit by obeying the law. You received the Spirit by putting your faith in Christ Jesus. So when the Holy Spirit is in your life, there will be a conviction of your sin that something's not right. And, and, and what, the, what the Holy Spirit will do will magnify the things in the word of God that you read, that you know that your life is out of the will of God. Not to condemn you, to throw you deeper into a dark pit or a deeper cave, 
and deeper condemnation because that's not from God. But what it will do is it will pull you out of that deep, dark pit to free you from that thing so you don't have to walk in that bondage anymore. Some of you, some of you have been struggling with some habitual things that you know are out of the will of God. And you're saying, I don't, I don't care if it's a porn habit, addiction, whatever, whatever that is, alcohol, whatever, whatever the thing is that it's got you in bondage, you know, you, you know. Here, here's, here's what I want you to, to understand today. Jesus shines his light on that, not to shame you and condemn you and to, and to throw you deeper into a deep, dark cave. But the Holy Spirit shines its light on it to bring you out, to find healing and forgiveness and freedom, that you're not alone. That, 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 that we are just one beggar trying to lead another beggar where, where to find bread. That, that, that's, all, that's all I'm doing here, up here, because I'm not any different from any one of you, right? So, so what we're trying to do is to encourage each other to say, hey, let, let, me, let me walk alongside of you here, brother sister. Let, let me walk along. Let me help you here. Let's, let, let's, let, let me pray for you. It, when we confess our sins to one another, it's important because we get that thing out in the light. It loses its power in our hearts and our lives. See, see, do you see the difference now? The difference now, it's driven by the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's going to lead us to freedom, not more condemnation. Not more condemnation. That's why Christians struggle with this because they want to show everybody that everything, yeah, praise the Lord, brother. I'm, I'm good. I'm blessed. Hashtag blessed, right? And meanwhile, we're struggling with seek because we're too fearful to share with a, with a loving brother or sister in the Lord what we're struggling with because we're afraid that they're going to judge us. We're going right back to what Paul was <laughs> saying, don't do. We should be helping each other come out of darkness into the light so that we can walk in freedom together. Amen? Let, let's be free people today. Let them free you from your old life. So I want to pray for you today. And we're just going to close. And uh, so let's just ask God to help us. Would you just stand with me if you're able to stand this morning? Let me pray with you today. Amen. Would you bow your hearts with me? Would you bow your heads with me? And, and maybe you're here today and you're... you're um, you're struggling with some things in your life and, and maybe maybe through the word that you heard today, through Paul's words, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's helping you to understand where, where things need to be corrected in your heart and your life and that the Holy Spirit is convicting you in areas of your life because he loves you and he wants you to come out of that darkness. And maybe that's what you're dealing with today. I, I would say... I would say confess that to the Lord and allow Christ to bring you freedom. I would tell you to, 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 to get help and to, and, and, and to rely on another brother, sister in Christ to, to help you come out of that, to walk with you, and that's what the body of Christ is for. So, Lord, we, we thank you that it's, it's all about Jesus and what he did for us. And, Lord, I just pray for your people today. We all struggle. We all battle. And I thank you that you don't leave us alone. Jesus, you've come to set us free. You don't want us to walk in darkness. It's a lonely place to be. I pray that you would give your people boldness to come out of the shadows and walk in the light. 
And so, Lord, I just pray that through your Holy Spirit, we would be a spirit-driven people, not trying to please you by the law, but to walk by faith. So let your Holy Spirit speak and convict where it needs to, to to bring us into that freedom so we can run the race and not be so entangled by the things of this world and the sin that's so easily entangled us to keep us from running the race. Lord, that, that's not what we desired here today. So I thank you for every person in this room today, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would bring your freedom into their hearts today as we just call upon the name of Jesus, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. And then, Lord, I pray that we would just have a joy to serve you and to love you and to live that out before the world. So thank you for the joy that you bring us. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. We thank you, Lord, for your word and for this day, Lord. And we just want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name.